This is a Color Pencil Podcast, session number 284. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a Color Pencil Podcast. Weekly discussions in and around this medium that we love so much. Hey there, welcome back to the show. My name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com. I am your host, and this is the Sharpened Artist Colored Pencil Podcast. So someone recently asked me, what is the one thing that I need to do to improve my drawings? Think about that for a moment. What one thing will improve your art? If you could, there's a lot of things, right? And you could probably list, I don't know, could you list three? Could you list ten? Probably. But what if you had to narrow it down and you were tasked with identifying one thing that would improve your artwork? Now, somebody might say, well, that's different for everybody. What may be needed for one particular artist may not work for the next artist. Is that right? Maybe you struggle with something that another artist doesn't struggle with, right? And that's, I, I can see the logic in that. It's partially true, right? We can also talk about the universal things that matter whenever you're drawing, or if we talk about art in general, matter whenever you're creating art. But if you talk about the tonal structure, you can talk about, you know, the values, in other words. You can talk about the clear separation in the lights and darks. Those things are very important. Those are two things. Maybe a third thing is composition. Very important element. It's often overlooked. You can see that in newer artists from time to time. There's also color. And there's line drawing. You know, that little roadmap that you create when you start. I can tell you what is a preoccupation often for new artists, at least the ones that I coach. That is the color. Oh, what's the color? I I know that if I just figure out the colors, everything's going to be so much better. If I had new color theory, or if I could just figure out what color that was that this other artist used, then I know I could draw just like them. And if they could just explain to me which color at which time and how they use that color, then I know everything would be great from now on. My life would be, it'll change my life. (laughs) Uh, not, Not so much, right? Not so much. I will tell you, though, that there is one thing that I will identify. After, um, especially doing one-on-one coaching for some time now and art mentoring, um, I've noticed that there is one element that, if ignored, is sort of an indicator of future problems. And that one thing is the line drawing. Now that may you may not like that answer, and you may you may scoff at that. You may say, "Oh, that's that's ridiculous." It's the values, it's uh, the color, it's composition, it's being able to see and identify where uh, shapes and angles uh, exist, uh, being able to oversimplify things and then render details later. The list could go on and on here, but but here's the thing. What I've noticed is this, if someone is careless and loose about their line drawing, 
no amount of uh, hyper-focusing on all these other things is ever going to improve anything else. It's kind of like saying you're going to work on the fine detailing and inlaid wood of some nice piece of furniture, but yet you don't have it built and you don't have a blueprint and you're not even worried about that part. That's, that's how ridiculous, really, it is. And I think we've all probably tried to draw in that way or to create artwork that, in that way. Okay, now that may work. I'll just put this caveat out there. That may work if we're not talking about representational art and realism. You know, sure, that may work if our goal is to not make it look like something. If the, if the goal is to make it look abstract and not make it look representative of some subject, then that may work. Okay, not, not going to argue that. But if, on the other hand, we're wanting our artwork to look like something, to represent something. We're wanting to convey realism. That line drawing is everything. It is the starting point. It is so critical. But yet, from time to time, you'll just see people breeze right past that and act like it doesn't matter. Oh, I, you know, I just kind of fudged it over here. Or I just kind of winged it over here. And I... Sort of didn't see some of this over here, but I'll, I'll figure it out as I go. That kind of thing. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying, and don't misunderstand me, I'm not saying that you cannot keep working on the line drawing or the drawing itself as you move through the art. That's part of, if that's part of your process, and from time to time, that's part of my process. Well, it, it is every time. I'm always improving on the drawing part, the, the uh, line drawing and the proportions and all of that as I'm working through the piece. Not saying that, but if I want something to be extremely accurate from the very beginning, then I'm, I'm going to hyper-focus on the line drawing. And now somebody might say, well, so do you recommend tracing your line drawing? And, uh, and sure, if that's, if that's what's going to help you, that's what's going to get you the end result that you want. And if your end result is just hyper, hyper realism, just very, uh, you know, hyper realistic art, photorealism, fill in the blank, whatever you want to call it. If that's what your end result is and you struggle with trying to get a line drawing down, sure, go ahead and trace it. There's nothing wrong with that. If, on the other hand, you're drawing for the purpose of improving your drawing skills, your ability to see, your ability to render, your ability to translate from what you're looking at to the paper, then, yeah, tracing is not always going to be your best friend. I mean, it's a, it's a shortcut to get you where you want to be. But what I've noticed is that professional artists... Who and I'm talking when I'm when I'm talking about professional artists, I'm categorizing people who actually make a living with their artwork, selling their artwork. I'm not talking about teachers. I'm not talking which I would consider myself in that camp. I'm an art teacher, so I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about those that are presenting their work to galleries, those that are working on commissions and um, any other thing that would qualify as you're using your art to make a living and you're not teaching people how to improve uh, in their art like I do. Okay, so let's talk about those 
folks for a moment, the ones that I know that are successful, I'm talking about, in doing that and actually uh, earning a living doing that, selling their artwork, those individuals are typically, if they're not tracing it, then they're doing something uh, pretty close to it they're, or they're projecting it or something like that. They're doing whatever they need to do to get the job done correctly, right? We're talking about representational art. They're, they hyper-focus on that line drawing because it all hinges upon how accurate that line drawing is. If it's extremely accurate, then everything else becomes slightly easier. Okay, but you're right, if you've thought through this with me, that there's not a one-size-fits-all. And if you're brand new to colored pencil or art in general, then my number one answer is that it has to be an extremely accurate line drawing from the very beginning. If, on the other hand, you've been doing this for a while, there's something else missing. Something else that you're not quite getting right. And you look at your work and you're like, I've been working on this. I've been doing art, been doing color pencil for one to two years. And still, I'm struggling. Then there's something else going on. There's something else going on. And it's probably not the line drawing. Although it could be. It could be the line drawing. It could be that you've sort of ignored that. But it might be something else. All right, but so here's the thing. If, and if you've been drawing for a while and you can't put your finger on what's going on, there's still something that's just missing, then uh, it could be that there's just not a clear separation in the lights and the darks. I've noticed that from time to time. It could be that your compositions are just very, very weak or that the value structure isn't there, that you're not punching up the values. In other words, going dark enough and going light enough. But then focusing in those middle values and making sure that there is a sensible and logical uh, transition between the two. Now you, you, <laughs> you'll often see people that will just say, oh, man, I, I've, I've done it this time. I went dark and I went light. And it nearly looks like a, a zebra. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm being facetious, but it nearly looks like that they've thought that was the only thing that was important was to have darks and lights. And they ignored the middle values. Well, they matter. They matter a lot. They matter a lot. So, and I think about it like this. If you're kind of on the fence and you're thinking, man, I want to improve in, um, you know, doing whatever it is I'm doing with my art and I'm not real sure what to do, then I want to, I want to just challenge you to open up your mind and to think about the areas that are you're struggling in. So identify what that is. There's only a few things, and we talked about them. So it's either the line drawing, it's either the values, it's either uh, you know the composition or the color. More than likely, more than likely that's what it is. Okay, there could be a few other things, but for the most part, that's probably what it is, okay? One of those things. So identify what that is. And then open up your mind to some different possibilities and ask yourself, start with the, with the response or with the question to yourself, I wonder if, I wonder if, 
And so think about that for a moment and look at others' drawings that you enjoy, that you think are, you know, great and all of that, and you think they're just totally awesome and out of this world. Look at that artwork and say, I wonder if my artwork could look like that. So what is the difference then between what I'm doing right now and where I'm struggling? I've already identified that. That's job number one. Identify where it is that you're not hitting the mark and say, what is the difference between my art and this person's art? What, what is that difference? And I think you can probably narrow that down. And if you can't, or if it's a struggle, if it's abstract, if you can't really put your finger on it, then maybe you've gone just way outside of any comparison and you're trying to compare apples to oranges. Okay, but look at someone that is within scope. It's within reach. All you got to do is reach over there and grab it. So think about where you are right now, who you feel like, maybe a few steps ahead of you, maybe a few years ahead of you, maybe a decade. And what is different about their work and your work? And I will tell you this that you can change that. You can improve, and in, in your mind, if you want to use those words, get better, yeah, you can get better than that artist if you want to. Why do I know this? Because I've seen students of mine do that. I've seen other artists do that that I follow and watch. I've, I've seen it in my own work where I, where I used to be, where I am now today. There's, I've got a long, long way to go, but I've seen improvements. I know that it's possible then for you. Drawing and art is a skill. The thing that separates us from anyone who is better than us is focused practice. And so if we can identify that one thing that will improve our artwork, I think it will make a dramatic difference if we kind of follow uh, the this path and these steps. Okay, so let me let me talk to you for just a quick second then about something that uh, I, I used to think about quite a bit and maybe it'll make sense for you and if it doesn't then you know throw it out. This is free. So I'm just going to offer it to you, and uh, if this is something that helps, great. Like I said, if not, just throw it away, all right? But I, I like to cook. I like to cook and bake, um, and I like to, to do that from scratch. I like to cook from scratch, and I like to bake uh, from scratch. And I, I didn't start out knowing how much salt to put in something, how much baking powder, baking soda, um, you know, how much flour, how much sugar, brown sugar, um, any of those things. I didn't know substitutions. We don't use dairy in my home at all, uh, usually for, for baking once in a while, but usually we don't. So I didn't know how to substitute, you know, uh, oat milk or almond milk or whatever for different things. And I didn't know how to make things taste like they're dairy when they're not and things like that. And so, uh, just, but, uh, as an aside, I mean, the reason why we don't do that is because I've, I've got a daughter who's highly, highly allergic to uh, dairy is a reason for that. But anyway, so I stumbled upon the concept a long, long time ago of speed scratch. So what is speed scratch? Well, 
it's kind of this thing that is a hybrid between doing something that is uh, just quick and in a can or box or frozen and homemade. Okay. <laughs> a lot of people use that term homemade. Okay. So they're just talking about cooking from scratch. I, I don't like it that we've gravitated towards that uh, term, even restaurants and you know, I got some homemade rolls here or whatever, but all they mean is that I'm guessing what they're meaning is that it tastes like we used whole ingredients. We use staples to, cre to create our particular uh, dish, whatever it is. All right. So <clears throat> if, uh, if you like to taste things that are homemade or uh, from scratch, uh, if you want to go with the terms that I like, scratch, um, <laughs> then... It, but you don't want to, if you like that taste, you like the flavor, you like um, the way it presents or whatever, but you don't like the inconvenience of how much time is involved with that, then you do something that we often refer to as speed scratch. And so that just means in cooking that you're going to use certain things that are already prepared, and then you're going to add fresh elements to that. Okay, long way around the bush here, but uh, <laughs> let me get back to art. Okay, all I'm really trying to say is that at least my experience has been when I'm dealing with students, when I'm talking with students and art mentoring students, that I noticed what happens is they've become a purist in their mind somewhere along the way. They feel like that if they start tracing something, that somehow they're cheating. Or they feel like that if they use, I don't know, a ruler or whatever, that they're somehow cheating. Or they feel like that fill in the blank, whatever it is, somewhere they have gotten the notion in their head that they cannot use any uh, convenience or tool to help them in this process. And so, and th and that's fine but if the goal is on improvement, then that's not fine. Then that's not okay. Right? Well, what's the goal? Ask yourself, what is your goal? Is it to improve the outcome of your art? Or is it to improve your ability to see things and render things freehand or whatever you want whatever you want to call uh whatever you do is what is the goal what is your end result for you is the end result the product that you're creating or is the end result for you is the the end result or the motivation for you that you want to improve your ability to create the artwork without a lot of frustration, without a lot of, you know, angst and, and uh, uh, overwhelm and things like that, and to do it very fluently and to be able to draw very easily. If that's your, if the, if the process is what matters to you, and that's where you're going to calculate improvement, then okay, you're, you're going to have to do some primary things over and 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 over again and again and again and again for improvement. There's no 
shortcut in improving that. Now you have to be focused on what those things are that need to be improved upon, what areas you're struggling in. But on the other hand, if your improvement in your art is the finished piece, then why not use something that will help you with that? Now, I've, I've talked to students that say, oh, I can't do that because I've gotten away from using that. And so I, I don't want to do, you know, fill in the blank for that, whatever that is. And for some reason, they got it, they've got it in their head that somehow that's wrong or that's cheating or that's, you know, whatever it is. And, and I'm not talking about just tracing either. I'm talking about using a color wheel. I'm talking about, um, you know, using a, a photo editing pr uh, program. I'm talking about cleaning up a photo in a photo editor. Um, let's see. There's, there's a host of things. There's a lot of things that I'm talking about. Using solvent sometimes. Um, the list can go on and on. Somehow they've got it in their head that if they do something else that will help improve the finished piece or the outcome or the process, that somehow that is cheating or that isn't right or that is stepping backwards. But listen, folks, sometimes you got to go backwards before you can go forward. All right. But if I had to nail it down, if someone asked me today, what is the one thing? If I had to pin it down to just one and say, what is that one thing that will improve your artwork? I would have to say it's having a good line drawing, making sure that line drawing is just as good as it possibly can be and that it serves as your roadmap then for creating the rest of the art piece. All right, that's it for today, folks. Hope you enjoyed that. Thanks for listening. Listen, if you if you are an avid listener to the show, then I've got, uh, and I mentioned it last week, but I, I want to reiterate what I was talking about. I've got a special treat for you. So this is not uh, for those that uh, are listening like on the web, uh, through my website, things like that. I appreciate you going to my website. I really do. But what this is, is this is for those that subscribe to the show that actually go to a podcast player, which is what a podcast is. That term's getting so muddy lately. But anyway, if you go to a podcast player on your phone or tablet and you download a podcast player like, like a Podcatcher or a Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts, something like that, and you're listening on a mobile device, then I'm going to stick something in your feed just for you. And um, just for those that listen to the feed. Why, why does that matter? You may be wondering, why in the world does he care about that? Well, it matters for a lot of reasons, but the main thing is it helps with the stats. It helps to know how many are actually listening uh, to the mobile version, the, uh, the version that comes out through the mobile apps. It helps in that regard. It also helps to get the podcast into more uh, people's hands. It helps for discovery, for people to find the podcast in all these uh, different players. So that's uh, mostly the reason for that. So uh, again, 
be listening. I'm going to stick something in your feed, not on a Monday. So be ready for that. I appreciate you listening. And this is a weekly show. If you want to reach out to the show, you can always email me podcast at sharpenedartist.com. If you've got a question for the show, you can go over to sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. There is a banner over on the right hand side. You can click on that and send a voicemail. You can record your voice asking a question. And I'll get that, and um, I will play it on the show and give you an answer on the show. Or you can just record a voice memo, wrap it up in an email, send it to me. This is a weekly show, comes out on Monday, and I'll talk to you again next week. And until then, stay sharp. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.